Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Teaching Here and There, the podcast about hybrid teaching in higher education. And if you are uh, listening today at the point of publication, uh, my colleague Ivan and myself should have just finished running a workshop on the this podcast at the APT conference in UCL. So we're looking forward to hearing your contributions from that. Today, we will be talking to two doctors. We have Dr. Sarah Montano from the University of Birmingham and Dr. Steve Rowett from UCL. I'm Don Pates. I'm Ivan Sikora. I'm James Rutherford. So as we say, let's dive straight in and get into the conversation. So we're delighted to welcome our latest guests to uh, this episode today. We have Drs. Sarah Montano from the University of Birmingham and Steve Rowett from UCL in London. Um, I'm going to ask you both to introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of a summary of your current backgrounds, and then I'll head into the first question about hybrid teaching. Um, Sarah, would you like to kick us off? Tell us about a little bit about yourself. What brings you here? What's your connection to the story? Well, thanks um, very much. So, yeah, so I'm Dr. Sarah Montano. Um, so I'm a senior lecturer in marketing. So I work in our business school, but I'm also deputy director of education um, digital for our College of Social Sciences. So I work with our um, other schools um, as well. And really, I've got the responsibility there for the digital strategy of our college um i joined uh, i took that job on in uh, january 2020 so you can probably imagine what type of job it was and then you can imagine what happened um a couple of months later so initially it was kind of you know to sort of drive drive you know drive the strategy the new strategy that we had forward and then it turned into something quite different which turned into be can we just do everything um digital um I've been working in uh, digital education for many, many years um, now, um, really started working out on our distance learning programs and that kind of brought me to a more sort of hybrid uh, and content led uh, way of um, teaching and when I teach marketing to my students, um, I have a sort of critical pedagogical um, approach, but I really focus on um, authentic assessments and one of the things Things that I'm sort of particularly um, keen on using is really creating alternative ways of communicating my own message. So I'm a content creator. Um, so that might mean using things like, you know, animations or podcasts. We do a lot of uh, kind of podcasts to really kind of um, get students to kind of try and think about um, their content in a bit of a different way. Lots of uh, great keywords there, Sarah. You've been uh, really riding the zeitgeist, I think. Thank you very much. Steve, give us a little bit of uh, your story. Let's uh, tell us your background as well. Yes, sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm Steve Rout. I the, have the great job title of Head of Digital Education Futures at, at UCL. I'm part of the digital education team there, which is now a team of well, more than 50 people supporting technology and education across the university. And I've been there about 50 14, 15 years. When I joined, we were a team of seven, which gives some kind of idea of how we have grown. 
And in that role, I'm really looking at emerging trends that are coming up in both in tools and technologies, but also in the kind of ways we use them. I've been very involved in things like Changemakers, which is our staff doing partnership work. I was quite involved in, in a lot of learning spaces work, and that led into some of the guidance and support for uh, the emerging models, if you like, of hybrid teaching that we were using uh, in 2020, and some thinking about how that develops over time. Um, I kind of think my, my time has come to some extent, because uh, actually I did my first hybrid session in 1995, when we were doing some experimental work with point-to-point uh, -point video conferencing between uh, where I was doing my PhD and an outside organisation uh, as we tried to support uh, work-based learning and uh, played around with some setups which maybe we'll talk about in a bit but to try and understand it and kind of identify some of the challenges early on. So I kind of feel that 25 years later the, the same kind of things are emerging today. That's a perfect segue, Steve, onto our first question, I think. <laughs> so 1995, I, I challenge our listeners to uh, uh, have experimented with hybrid teaching prior to that. Um, okay, so the first question for both of you, um, can you tell us about your experiences with delivering or supporting synchronous hybrid teaching? And uh, for the listeners for this episode, we have a particular interest in scale because you're both from large universities, but um, uh, let's give us a bit of the wraparound context as well. Okay, I will start with that. And, I, and I'm gonna start back, I'm gonna, this is, this is not great to have a prop for a podcast to show on screen, um, but I've got a diagram which shows a hybrid teaching setup that we did in 1995. And we have lots of cables, lots of cameras, um, roving microphones. We have a video cassette player to feed in a video clip. Um, actually, it looks quite similar to what you would do today. And when we did it, we found there were some challenges. And they were interoperability between different systems, uh, poor audio quality, feedback and echo. Um, additional people needed to support this, so you couldn't really run it on your own very easily. Um, restrictions in motion and non-verbal um, communication and they're actually the same kind of issues that often come up today. So I was sort of fairly well primed I think to understand some of the challenges that um, our teachers and students might, might face at UCL. So that was like most PhDs put in the cupboard and left there for a while um, and as we emerged through 2020 and realised we were going to be looking at some kind of um, Hybrid, hybrid teaching for the 21-22 academic year. We looked to, I think a lot of universities made a choice here. They either decided to equip a small number of rooms very well, or they decided to equip a, a large number of rooms you know, as best they could in a hurry. Um, we certainly went for the large number of rooms as best we could in a, in a hurry. We already had a lot of lecture capture infrastructure in, so where we could, we made use of that to bring those feeds into the computer system available. Where we couldn't do that, we just put a you know, webcam on the top of the screen, that was a pretty common thing that was done as well. But we also did something that I haven't seen so much elsewhere, which is uh, we call bring your own hybrid, uh, where we gave each department uh, two webcams and two uh, Jabra hands-free conferencing units. So they could use them in seminar rooms or labs or spaces that, that we, we couldn't reach to. So we, we, we kitted out over 400 rooms in total. But we also did a very big education piece around it. And I think one of the things we did was try and play down the expectations of how, you know, how great this would be. It wasn't going to be you know, a full, wonderful hybrid experience. We, we may have that in a couple of places. And we called it basic hybrid as a way of trying to, to frame it and, and you know, set those expectations. Uh, and, and I often described it as, as you know, eavesdropping 
on a class rather than participating. You know, you get some sense of being there, but it, it wasn't the full rich experience that you, you might want to have. But, you know, I think on the whole, that's been quite successful. There's been a lot of support as well with, you know, I'm going to talk about co-pilots or, you know, terms like that to support it, teaching assistants. Um, and I suppose we're now thinking in two two strands, one of which is, you know, where we go from here in terms of perhaps a smaller number of better equipped rooms and focus on teaching, but also what the future is. I mean, we're not yet thinking that the pandemic is completely over. It may well be for uh, many of our students in the UK, but we know there are regions around the world that are still uh, either facing lockdowns or could have more in the future, and we need to know how to respond to them. So you know, the, even, the, even the basic hybrid approach hasn't gone away for us. Lots of uh, lots of very useful tips there, Steve. And, uh, I very much like the idea of bring your own hybrid as well. It's an interesting one. A new new acronym there, BYOH. Sarah, how about yourself? Your experiences of working with synchronous hybrid teaching and at scale. Yeah, well, I'm going to sort of divide that up a, a, a little bit. So I think. Uh, as I, I was sort of like thinking thinking through the question there so I think we've got a couple of things uh, going on we've got sort of what I would call sort of uh, online synchronous se sessions that tend to be delivered for distance distance learning um, and you know we've, we've probably all done those for quite a long time now um, then um, during the pandemic we had the delivery of the offline online uh, which turned into uh, synchronous online sessions um, and then this year in 20. 21, 22, we've had the hybrid version where we had the offline and the online. So I think there's three slightly um, separate things happening there. Um, I mean, I don't want to use the word easier in any online format, but I think the kind of distance learning um, online format, I think is the relatively straightforward one that's relatively easy to do deal at scale. And I think, you know, there's a recognition from the students as to what they're signing up for. And there's a, a recognition from the academics as to what they're signing up for. So there's a kind of bit of a kind of agreement there. Uh, as to what what you've got to do um, and then I think it's it's in the last two that's where um, we see the challenges um, I think certainly in sort of 2021 there was a bit of an appreciation I think from the students that people were kind of you know <laughs> you know there was a bit of a sticking plaster going over everything and everyone was just trying to find find their way through I think this is where we've seen the biggest challenges this year in the hybrid where we're trying to and I think I would say be all things to all people. So we're in the room, we're trying to be present in the room, we're trying to engage students in the room, but we're also trying to get engaged students um, online. Um, and I think, you know, very similar to Steve, I think we, we did something very similar. We all already had the lecture capture, so we could use that. We then had a number of large lecture theatres with what was called a, a full hybrid kit, um, some smaller uh, seminar rooms. Um, again, we did a variety of different types of training. So we again, we recorded some videos of us using it. Um, there was a SharePoint site, um, which also which sort of explained how to use it, but also um, included a view from the students as well, because I think that's integral. And I think sometimes we miss that is what what are the students um, thinking there? Um, and I think you know, there, there are challenges and I don't think we should underestimate the challenges. I think the first one is the use of technologies. You know, we're all given so many different texts. Would you like Zoom? Would you like Teams? Um, you, you know, is, is your uh, Zoom, is it integrated in, into your VLA? Um, and then you end up with various different control panels. So I think actually functional usage, I think is is still a challenge. And I think that is, is, a, is a question. Um, I think 
the other challenge is the students understanding of what it means to be in a hybrid room um, and I think that challenges those in the room I don't think we should just assume those in the room are okay um, and I think I suppose the final one is even though you've got kit is the kit functional for the delivery of a lecture now that sounds ironic because of course it is it's got a microphone and a camera but you know you think about your own style of teaching and what you want to do how you want to move around the room where are you in the room and I think does that work and I think that has been a real challenge thank you Sarah um yeah it's it's it, it sounds very familiar to me because I'm teaching as well and um and and you and Steve I think covered a, a really really a, a wide variety of challenges that we have seen on the other side of lecture and theater as well, because actually being in a position to teach, you you are either facing something that you are keen on or maybe something that you are afraid of, yeah. So um, maybe you can uh, uh, tell me or to the audience, what would you tell the uh, uh, academics when, you, when they prepare or plan for the hybrid teaching? Um, it can be on two sides, uh, methodologically or pedagogically and or technology-wise. So basically imagine you have someone who hasn't, who has slept like a sleeping beauty last three years, woke up and actually has to teach hybrid. What would you tell the academic himself or herself? Uh, oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? To have slept through the last three three years. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a, a nice opportunity. I don't know, I don't know who, who would wake <laughs> you up. Dream, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I mean, can I use the, the phrase, I think it's a bit of an old fashioned blended approach. I don't know if that's yeah. the kind of sort of, uh, if that that's okay, but I, th I think that's what it is. I mean, certainly that's how I feel like we're kind of moving. I mean, I think, you know, from, from students, a lot, you know, students have really liked having, you know, some upfront content, you know, we have made great strides in accessibility, you know, having lectures just in a, in a room, is not great in terms of accessibility you know it doesn't allow students to yeah. kind of like you know reflect on the content so i think if i was telling if someone had just woken up and was emerging into this new world i think it would would be thinking around you know how as academics do we plan our content you know mm. visually how do we get the best from our vle um, so we present that in a kind of structured way mm -hmm. and, you know, how can we move, uh, you know, to a, to a world where we have the, the best of what we had to, to do to get us through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And as I say, with the great strides that we have made and how do we keep that and we move that forward with the great things that we know happen in, in a lecture theatre and the understands, you know, when you just watch on someone's face when they grasp what you're saying, yeah. I mean, you know, that is just such a, a great feeling. Yeah, so I think it's a, it, it's very interesting to hear that. Uh, and that was very obvious when we joined, rejoined last year in May uh, in, a, in a physical environment, how people said, and I used to say, ah, I know your voice, but I don't know your face. And it's actually interesting. And, and how about you, Steve? I know that UCL and of course uh, your, your school, uh, Sarah, as well, is quite varied in terms of the, of the disciplines that you are teaching. Your academics probably must be very, very uh, varied as well. How would you introduce this to a different type of academics that you have in your institution? Yes, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's been very interesting to hear some of the previous conversations about which disciplines, you know, suit hybrid teaching and which do not. Um, I, I mean, Sarah came straight out and said plan, and I think that's probably the most important word in this. And I know my colleague, uh, Martin Compton, thinks of this as the, you know, a local, a local audience, a remote audience, 
and a recorded audience, the audience that, that watches the recording. I think that's quite a, a good way of kind of you know, developing a lesson plan. I think actually the, the need for a lesson plan, some kind of structure really does help if you are hybrid teaching. I suppose one of the areas that we focused on um, a lot was disciplines that, uh, that require writing. And that was a particular mm -hmm. challenge. So the systems we have are you know, very strong on screen sharing and showing slides and that kind of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm for a lot of mathematical scientific disciplines economics perhaps and some others it, it's not so much the, the the written output that matters but the process of writing and talking and explaining mm -hmm. and writing mm -hmm. and that was an area we picked up on quite early as being a challenge in fact we shipped out lots of um visualizers out to to staff so they could teach from home and, and continue the writing it's kind of visualizers you have in schools for example rather mm. than the ones we might have in our classroom yeah. so that that area was a really big focus for us the, the, the challenge of um uh, of, of writing subjects but also just we, we saw wonderful creativity i mean twitter was just a joy to see people mm -hmm. coming up with ideas of, of how they were um, you know changing their changing their teaching mm. um and some things work you know of course some things work worked better than others but i think on the whole people were surprised how well yeah. things did work online um, whether they work as well in hybrid, I think there's, 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 yeah. some, you know, there's more doubt. And probably a lot of reflection in, in the aftermath or in, 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 in between, as you said, probably we have situations maybe coming at us that we are not aware of. It's the mountain to climb hybrid, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the next question um, is drawing on your experience in terms of supporting colleagues um and i guess for sarah that be supporting colleagues in in your school steve perhaps more centrally um uh, coming from a more of a center for learning and teaching and educational technology but what, what do you think um are the most effective ways of supporting staff with hybrid teaching maybe go to you first sarah yeah i think i think that has been been the uh the, the biggest challenge um and i think you know again like you know from a college of social science we've got such such differences so you again you've got programs that you know were very kind of uh numerical and you know exam based through to kind of professional programs where it's much more around sort of you know uh reflection and around that um sort of professional um kind of practice i mean i i think um as we sort of you know move forward i think you know that there, there has to be i think some consideration around sort of you know digital skills so whether we you know that has to formally go into something like you know kind of like pg certs and kind of th thing, things like that uh for, for academics i think as we move forward i think there's a need to kind of to be upskilled uh and kind of ready um i think certainly um there's something around community of practice and sort of bringing people together to be able to kind of show diff different ways it has been such an awful time um obviously it goes without saying but you know there have been some benefits you know where we have been able to get you know fantastic guest speakers in from you know across the world so you know we had a great guest speaker from brazil normally we were of course we would never be able to do that um and i think you know making sure that institutionally you know we, we've got resources that people can kind of work through we can get kind of ideas we can kind of um showcase you know kind of you know case studies um exemplars and I suppose I think it's a little bit like everything as the world moves forward I think you know as academics we need to sort of you know question our mindset and say well just because I did it like that 
should I continue like this or, mm. you know, is, is there a, a different way that that we can approach it? And I, I think finally, I think it, I suppose it's a more institutional thing, but I think it is. I think we, we have to look at what does tech support look like, because we have to recognize not everybody is going to be able to use everything equally and have equal um ability and i think there is a question you know tech support used to be you know like the projector isn't working you know actually tech support is now far more complicated in the hybrid world so you know across the sector you know what does that that look like and how do we move forward with that Mm, thank you for those observations, Sarah. I, it's very interesting. There's a, there's some themes that are coming out uh, that won't surprise you. Other colleagues have talked about on previous episodes, and particularly CPD. Uh, and 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 I think there's there's CPD, there's training, there's professional development, there's and then there's moving into the realms of pedagogic development. And this idea, um, Steve, you talked about earlier. There's sort of the, there's almost the three strands to this rather than just the two. Um, so yeah, over to you, Steve, for, to to give your impressions uh, for this for this question about how would you support staff wanting to engage in hybrid teaching or who have to engage in hybrid teaching? Yeah, I think I think Sarah made some excellent points there, and I think perhaps for a lot of teachers, this was one of the first times in their career where they suddenly found teaching to be difficult. Um, you know, perhaps it was always. Uh, tiring or a lot of work but suddenly it was a, a you know a difficult barrier and I certainly had people say to me I don't know if I can do this you know I my my identity as a teacher is being questioned by what's what's happening here you know am I best off trying to learn this you know or am I you know should I, should I just try and keep on as I'm going a lot so of cognitive lot, load isn't there <laughs> yeah. so I think there were a lot of people questioning you know their own their own identity I think one of the things we did which really helped with bringing together our teaching communications and our student communications. And one thing I, you know, what, what, what we, we tried to be very realistic about what we were likely to achieve and the experiences that students were likely to get and to encourage them to, to help us shape that. Sorry, Steve, how do you mean to, uh, to bring the communications together for staff and students? What, what did that look like? So what we were, we were being quite open and honest with our students of the kind of experiences they would, they would get. And I think, you know, and, and, and asking them to bear with us as we learnt as we got better, as some things would go wrong, um, to give sort of regular feedback um, and to help to help shape that process. And I think that was that was quite that was quite challenging actually because um, we obviously wanted to give the best possible experience, but it had to be realistic that, that at times it would fall short. And you know, and, and to be for our students to be aware that when that did happen, we would you know try and rearrange things, try and add extra sessions, do the things that we needed to to bring things together, but that they had to expect. A level of imperfection in what was going on. And so managing expectations is, has been key for this. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And other guests have said this before that, you know, we have to be honest about what we're going through. None of us have really done this before. We're making up as we go along, you know, not just the technology, but also how we support it. And, and, and as you say, how do academics deal with it? Mm. Um, and we didn't know it would work. I mean, I, I do remember being in a, in a room in February 2020 saying, I'm quite sure that if just this university had to go to online teaching, mm. the systems would work. I have no idea whether globally this, this can work. Yeah. We did not know it would work. Mm. Yeah. You now know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we came out the other side. Yeah. Um, from, from an academic point of view, Yvonne, um, you've obviously been immersed in this for the last, well, two years during the pandemic, but before. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think you've got some very interesting insights about advice. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think along the lines of my main profession. And I have to say still, although I'm 10 years in teaching, I, I, I feel like a guy from aviation. Yeah. And uh, when everything goes wrong in a cockpit, surprise, surprise, they have to learn three or four or five steps. They, they have to know by heart and actually manage them without any documentation. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking now, uh, Sarah and maybe Steve, if you can share with us, with all your experience, being practitioners and also uh, uh, professionals, what would be the top three advices to the academic teaching hybrid for the first time? I have mine, uh, but it would be interesting actually to hear those top three that we are going to remember and do, do them as a mantra when we step up into the classroom for the first time. Uh I think think my number one is test. Okay. <laughs> test test out your lecture theatre before you go in it. Does it work with with your kit? Uh, you know, do you need, to, for example, do you need to make the lecture room um, a host? Yeah. Uh, you know, so so uh, kind of uh, test it. So test. Uh, test. Uh, the second one, I think, is uh, plan. And I think that comes to a little bit about what we were saying before around the kind of, you know, what does your lecture look like? Um, I mean, I'll use a, another phrase rather than a lesson plan. I often do a storyboard mm. as to kind of, you know, what it's all kind of going to look like. Um, so I think plan. So best that. plan. Yeah. And yeah. So the third one, my number third one is set up the expectations. So that's again, that's part of the plan, you know, with the with the students, you know, it's clear this will be happening when you know, we'll be doing a breakout here. So, again, those students that are online, they've got a good understanding of, of what's happening. You can so, bring them together. So to bring it back to the cockpit, <laughs> if there is decompression, put your mask, go to 10,000 feet, communicate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is something they have. And I'm not I'm not joking. Actually, there is a QRH quick reference handbook that has these three bullet points and they are tested every six months on this. How about you, Steve? Would you agree or maybe you have some other 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 uh, wisdom to share with us? I don't think you could possibly disagree with those three. Um, <laughs> so I've had to write three more, of course, because those, those are along the lines I was going to say. I think the one that I will say is to, to try and find ways to be a remote participant in some kind of event you know that you could maybe a colleague's teaching but why don't you join mm -hmm. their, you know, their their class and, and take the experience of being a remote participant. So you see on the other side great yeah so you get and i think that gives a lot of insights as to, as, as to that experience and, and and just simple things like is, is the person explicitly saying hello to you you know are, are you getting yeah. some kind of idea that you're yeah. physically not physically present you know, you're you're virtually present are you there in the space fine second i would say is probably slow down you may not get through all the content that you're used to doing, particularly yeah. if, if you are spending the time to check in with the different audiences that you have. You may not mm -hmm. get through it all and be prepared for that. And the third, and I come, come back to uh, my colleague Martin Compton's point, is consider the recorded audience. Um, mm -hmm. It will depend on circumstances, but it is quite likely if you're setting up for hybrid that some of the people aren't in the same time zone that you are. Uh -huh. and maybe quite a, a long way away in time zone terms and they may not be up in the middle of the night or early in the morning or whatever so you may have a recorded audience and, and expect and plan for that sometimes they'll be re-watching i mean that's the traditional lecture mm -hmm. capture model you're meant to come along and then you you watch the event but for some people it would be their, their first experience of this event 
So set mm-hmm. the cues for what the recorded audience might do, how may, they might structure activities around what you are presenting. Great. So it was switch sides. Slow down. Uh, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> and I'm very poor on that, I, I, and I remember. And, so, and third one, think of the remote audience. Uh, the recorded remote audience, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, going to the cockpit. They take some air traffic controllers on, on rides just to see how it is to be in a cockpit. So I think what you are saying, it just has a sense. So it, it's really, uh, I think, uh, 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 nuggets of wisdom that we have got from both of you. Thank you. Regular listeners will be uh, aviation experts by the time we get to serious. But you know what? I think it's interesting. <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, when, whenever a human is involved, like in the operating room of the, of the hospital or the cockpit or in a teaching environment, I think we can take advantage of us being mm. uh, uh, the same species in, a, in all of these contexts, yeah? So I think it's, uh, it's much, much mm. applicable, yeah? We're, we're also building much more complex technologized environments for yeah. whatever our professional operations are mm. now as well. Mm. Um, six fantastic tips uh, for our listeners there from you too. Uh, I don't think we could disagree with any of them. And, nope. uh, you know, put them on the wall, make sure you remember them. They're really, really good ones to stick by. Um, I'm going to, uh, you, you two have uh, clearly both been um, well set up for this particular moment with your foresights and your, your thinking in, in advance uh, way before this particular moment arise, uh, arose. So we're picking up those crystal balls and we're looking into the near, immediate, longer term future for hybrid teaching in higher education. What does it look like to you? Okay, I think, I think hybrid has a strong future um, for all its kind of challenges that it's posed in the last couple of years. And I think the reason for that, and I, I, some of the earlier um, episodes talked a lot about surveying our, our students and, and understanding their needs and that kind of thing. But what we've done less of is surveying the students not in the room, the ones that couldn't make it there, the ones that chose not to do that programme. And I think, in fact, my PhD looked at this, and I don't think this has changed. There's a, there's a huge demand for academic and workplace training amongst the workforce. There was back then. I'm sure that's the case back now. And we've certainly seen with MOOCs that many participants in MOOCs are already well qualified. So I think there is a very big demand that universities can reach out to. Just asking our own students is valuable, but you know we need to, to broaden our, our thinking out of there. And I think the tools will really change as well. So we are on Zoom at the moment. I'm sure that's very familiar to most people listening to this. Um, and you, you, it's easy to think of Zoom as a piece of software that you put on screen, and it works the way Zoom works. I, I maybe challenge that thinking a little and say, I think of Zoom as much more of a, of a global infrastructure that sends packets of data around the world in, in really quickly and synchronizes them really well. And in fact, you can use that to build your own tools. So 10 years ago, we had Illuminate, Wimber Classroom, if you remember any of those, they were video conferencing tools that were built for education. And maybe what we could start to do is take tools like Zoom or Teams and use the underlying infrastructure. Um, no doubt we have to pay for that, works very well, uh, but build the kind of tools on top of that, but just a bit more education focused, a bit more how they want them to be, a bit more like our institutions than the, than the kind of more generic software that, that caters for a variety of needs. So I'd say there's a, a couple of ideas of where I think we might be going. So hybrid 
uh, has a future there. Yeah, building our own hybrid infrastructure as well. Ivan, did you want to respond? To no, I, I just I just couldn't resist actually hearing about this potential of Zoom as an open source in a way, uh, and and providing the infrastructure to to do the things. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's a very good. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as open source. I think that has a slightly different meaning, but it has a software development kit. Yeah, fine. Okay. So, so I mean, as an example, the role of host isn't really a term we'd use in education very yeah. much. It's not mm -hmm. a, a, you know, we would have different terminology. So even just simple ways of conceptualizing the roles and what yeah. they can do. Um, and I think there are also things like um, the, really the experience of being in a large lecture isn't that you're with, with 300 other people because if mm. you're at the front and someone's at the back you're not interacting with them in any meaningfully what meaningful way exactly. and i think of um comparisons like the if i say the, the loughborough star lecture theater then it will be familiar to here for, for listeners who don't know it it's a, a sort of fairly traditional lecture theater where rather than sitting in rows students sit around a table in groups of five or six maybe so that they can listen to the main content, but also do some group work or class mm. discussion as, as, as that comes up. And it may be we need digital equivalents of that. So I don't have you know, 49 faces on my Zoom window all, all going, so I can't really interact with all of them. But I yeah. get to a small group whilst taking part in the main yeah. content. And those you are the kind of things you might be able to build. You have like an indicator of how active they are in their groups and actually you'll just go from group to group and, and peek into what is going on. Yeah. So Sarah, Steve sees higher education evolving the technical infrastructure itself. What does your, uh, what's in your crystal ball? Well, I, I do wish I had a crystal ball. I feel like it would be quite, quite useful. So I would like to order one of those um, players. Uh, yeah, so I was, it's really interesting. I was, I was uh, contemplating there as, as Steve was uh, talking. I think I, my initial thought was perhaps slightly different rather than thinking about, about the technology. I was thinking, you know, what's the student experience going to be going to be like? I think I feel positive about the future. I think people will always want to learn, and we we just we we do. People want to learn. I think learning will look different. Um, I might use another key phrase. I think more at the, you know, I think there needs to be more opportunity for kind of lifelong learning, kind of upgrading qualifications, um, you know, more in sort of, again, old fashioned terminology of kind of CPD and kind of short courses and the ability to be able to access those from anywhere because, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the world has changed, work has changed, you know, people are accessing work remotely. So I think the expectation will be that I can sort of, you know, almost like on demand, on demand education in the same way that I can watch kind of uh, uh, Netflix. So I, I, I can see that. And I think in terms of the delivery, um, again, I, I, I'm with Steve, I think, you know, the, the future is there around the sort of, you know, the, the technologically enabled approach. I think what that looks like in 20 years, I, th I think it might might be different. Um, I think our, you know, v v VLEs will probably change. You know, I remember the old days of kind of WebCT and stuff like that, you know. Um, I think they will become sort of more important of, you know, kind of platforms of, of ways to access content. So I think, you know, students will, people will still want to learn. Um, people will want to learn, I think, over a longer time period. I think there will be an, a need for different types um, of education, but I think people will want to access it um, in, in quite different, different ways. Uh, and we need to think about how we facilitate that and how we really make um, remote learning work.
There's a, a very practicable responses there, uh, there, Sarah. I mean, the future is not just all about jetpacks and uh, uh, things like that. That's uh, on-demand education for all. Why not? Um, there's a world out there that needs to learn stuff, right? Um, I'm going to revive one of our older questions and throw a short-fire one at you both before I head to James to wrap up. Uh, today. Um, we, we used to uh, ask all of our guests uh, uh, to imagine themselves on a spectrum. We've labelled the different ends fight or flight. Uh, fight obviously is uh, you basically running away from the idea of hybrid teaching. I don't want to go anywhere near it. And flight is you are heading towards it and it allows you to take off. Sarah, if fight or flight is your spectrum for hybrid teaching, where do you place yourself on it? Oh yeah, no, flight. I'm running towards it. <laughs> Fine, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I think it, it, it's, I suppose it's, it's my approach, you know, kind of like, what's the best way? How can I communicate this? How can I do it in a, in a different way? And I think that's just fascinating as to what we can do. Steve, we have another frequent flyer with you. <laughs> yes. I mean, Sarah was straight, straight off the mark there with her response of, of uh, <laughs> running towards it. I am, but perhaps with one or two caveats. Um, and one of those I think is, has to be around, um, reconceptualizing how we think about our campuses in compared to our digital campuses you know if our digital campuses are, are now as important perhaps perhaps even more important than our our physical campuses and yet we keep hearing very things like this technology is very expensive um you were discussing the ceiling panel mics uh on the previous episode um and yeah if I, if I had to buy 10 out of my own money i think they were quite expensive but actually in terms of the physical estate that we have this kind of infrastructure isn't terribly expensive and i think we need to we need to look you know look at estates types budgets and activities and it type budgets and activities in the round and consider them institution-wide endeavors rather than individual silos certainly mm. so less expensive than a new building right uh, that, that's a good point steve um previous conversations have talked about technology as well but i, I think some a theme that has uh gone along regularly has been the importance of sound and good audio being a sort of connecting necessity for all of these conversations. I wonder, just think, thinking about you talking about different tools for the future and different technology, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, Teams and Zoom, most people use for hybrid teaching, weren't designed for education. Um, and I wonder whether there will be a new tool emerging soon that comes from somewhere that's that is actually designed from the ground up for, for learning and i think tying it with sarah what you're saying about um the vle um i think is it is it canvas at birmingham still yes we use canvas yeah yeah and and i think um in a city we're using moodle I, I think there may be an opportunity there i think there are companies out there looking to include hybrid in whatever their offer is so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um we are out of time but before we go I just like to, it's not like an interview for a job, but is there anything we haven't asked you you'd like to ask us or you'd like to respond to? Any question we don't feel we've asked that you'd like to, to say now for this podcast? I mean, then Sarah raised this point earlier as well, you know, how the campus changes. And I mean, on, online, online anything is a bit of a misnomer because we are seeing each other online, but we are all in a physical space. We can't help that. We're all, you know, we have mass, we are humans. Yeah. So. If our campus is has large numbers of people doing online activity, where do they go? What do they do? How does their day look? Um, 
what motivates them to be there and not be somewhere else and i think that's a kind of interesting you know interesting perception on this is what does it mean for our campuses and i suspect it means more than we've really taken on board so far it's a really good point and that that chimes with uh, one of our first guests professor peter jameson who i think you remember from some years ago steve um something he said to me right at the beginning of my journey in learning space design was what reason are we giving students to come to campus mm -hmm. And that holds true. And that was, you know, that was like 10, 15 years ago. Sarah, final question to you. Is, is, is there anything we haven't asked or anything you wanted to raise? Um, I, I think my only kind of final thought, I think, as I've been sort of like, you know, listening to everything is it's kind of how do we bring everything together? And I feel like that is, is the challenge. Universities are massive bureaucratic organisations, Steve. And as you were saying, you know, someone's crunching numbers as to how much it costs in a microphone whilst I'm sitting working out just how I'm going to, you know, teach whatever it is that day to that particular class where they are. And I, I think it's a kind of question is kind of like, so, you know, what as we said, what are our buildings for? What does the infrastructure, what does as an academic, what does my teaching space look? Where's my hangout space to go and join mm. online calls, you know? pedagogy, the student experience, academic skills, what do learning opportunities look like for students, as we were saying, lifelong learning. I think it's how do we bring all, all of that together? Because I think the danger is any, everything is that we see it all in kind of silos. And I think as the world is becoming hybrid and we're teaching hi hybrid is how do we stay, how, how do we keep everybody connected? Ivan, do you want to come in on that point? Yeah, actually, I, I, I'm so pleased that, that Sarah mentioned this. And uh, again, me being aviation nerd, huh? um, in aviation, we have safety. So basically, everything is driven by safety. You don't market safety. But agreement is, regardless of the, of the commercial side, marketing, success or anything, you have to be safe. So this is the thing that it's important to understand that probably we have to identify, and I would say, I would I would maybe uh, vote for students uh, takeaways or maybe the success of students in learning and enjoying the process that might be the common goal that might drive everything else so we end with Steve giving us thoughts on how the campus might change and Sarah giving us thoughts on how on earth we're going to bring all of this stuff together I think our uh, teaching and learning environments might look very familiar, reasonably familiar in the next six months, but uh, in the next 10 years, in 10 years time, they're probably going to be quite different from how they are now. And we're not going to be getting 2019 back out of the box anymore. Uh, I, I, think, different. I think there's one thing we'll probably all agree on is that we're not going back to 2019. So that leaves us to thank uh, both of you ever so much for your contributions, uh, perspectives and uh, answers to our questions today. It's been, um, I, I delight with every one of these recordings because I learned so much and it gives me so much food for thought uh, uh, every time as well. So thank you, Steve and Sarah very much for joining us on episode 11 of Teaching Here and There today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know I'm a broken record on these podcasts, gentlemen, but I do like being part of these conversations. I find them not only fascinating, but uh, so many things to think about and so many, uh, I learn so much from there. 
James, would you like to give us your key reflection from this uh, this recording today? Yes, thank you, Dom. Um, I'm interesting to have uh, the at scale conversation with two big universities in the UK. As um, a few episodes ago, we had a similar sort of conversation with colleagues in the United States. Um, lots of things to take away. I think my one highlight would be something that they both talked about, and Steve wrapped up talking about the need for a new uh, technology platform for hybrid teaching, hybrid learning. Um, and we're using, still using Zoom and we're still using Teams. Some people are using Blackboard Collaborate, either designed for the business and conferencing or an older version of a virtual classroom tool. So it'd be really interesting to see what comes out of various R&D departments and various think tanks and software developers for something that works far more effectively for learning and teaching with a big tick on accessibility. A forward-looking reflection. Thanks, James. Ivan, what was your key takeaway from today? Well, if I if I have a, a backward-looking uh, reflection, uh, I, I'm still amazed uh, with the experience that Steve and Sarah brought in, especially Steve, with his involvement of this type of activities from mid-90s. So it's just amazing the number of years and experience he's bringing in. But still, what I found very interesting when he mentions actually that he's listening to our podcast and also that he's considering not only technology, but the audiences when we talk about the hybrid. So he said there is an in-audience, there is actually online or out-audience and also recorded audience. And that is something that actually was very, very eye-opening for me because I'm teaching hybrid and it's important to remember this, this perspective. And that, that chimes with other guests talking about what does hybrid mean? I have uh, uh, academics at, uh, at our institution that are, that are starting to think what I call trimodally for their programs as well, Ivan. So I think it's very interesting to hear of others thinking in that way. Um, chiming in again with your thoughts, James, about uh, the evolution of the technical infrastructure, um, both Sarah and Steve talked about the evolution of the campus as well. Why do we go back to campus other than because we're told to? Why not evolve the campus in future mm -hmm. so that it makes a more effective um, uh, uh, synergy or a hybrid even, if you like, between the technical platforms that we're running in the actual uh, infrastructural estate itself as well. Yeah. Um, academics need places to just pop into a, a video call while they're um, uh, doing something else that they need to be on campus for. Students need spaces to be, to be social in um, and to engage with these, uh, these various different modes of access to their learning. I think we're going to find our campuses look very, very different in, in, in several years' time. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, Yvonne. And I think it's also that while sitting in your office, when a student comes in, you have opportunity to, to bring new topics. You have opportunity that actually probably you have to make intention to do if you are online. So I think this is one of the other benefits of being in the campus physically and just being witness to light bulb moments of the people that we are actually for in the first place so we hope that 
teaching here and there episode 11 has given you some more light bulb moments and we will be back uh, after a short summer break because everybody needs one uh, for episode 12 and we've got plenty of great guests lined up for you so um we uh, we always have a call to action for you as a listener so we'd be uh, very happy for any five-star reviews on the podcast platforms that you listen to that helps other people to find us you can tweet us at that hybrid pod you can email us at teaching here and there podcast at gmail.com or you can leave us an audio message on anchor.fm slash teaching here and there if you would like us to feature your perspectives in a future episode thank you very much and have a great summer thank you and See you soon. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you in the next academic year. Teaching Here and There is a podcast brought to you by PSR Production. It's available to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, and any web browser.